Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Welcome to the Monday Review. Let's start with some news. We've got qualifier locations for January and early February. Columbus, Ohio on the 27th of January. Hamilton, Ontario, which is about an hour south of Toronto for the away qualifier against Canada. And then uh, St. Paul, Minnesota on February 2nd. I'm still just extremely upset about choosing St. Paul for a game in February. I, I see where you're coming from, but I also, I just respect how incredibly specific of a decision is. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that they've done something so specific, I have to admire. Bold? Would you say it's a bold decision? I would say it's bold. I'm worried. Do they know how cold it is, though? Yeah, I mean, so at risk of boring everyone, I did look up the temperatures on... Uh, February 2nd in St. Paul over the last 10 years. So just a specific day uh, every year for the last 10 years. And the thing is, it could be fine. Mm. The low for the past three years in St. Paul, and well, let's face it, the low temperature is going to be closer to the actual temperature during the game than the average or the high. So we got to keep the low in mind. Because it's at night. Yeah, right. Unless they play the game in the afternoon, which would be crazy on a Wednesday. So the low, the low for the last three years was 18, 31, and 12. And I think those, definitely 31 is fine. The other two are probably doable. They'd be similar to the game in Edmonton. But the last three years are three of the warmest years in the past decade on February 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. The low has been zero or below zero in four out of the last 10 years. And that would not be like Edmonton. That would be very different from that Mexico-Canada game in Edmonton. It would be just a wild experience to see the team play in weather like that or you know, to actually play in weather like yeah, that. Just looking at this chart of numbers, I see a minus seven. That, we don't want that, certainly. Why, why, why are you saying 10 degrees would be fine? That seems too cold to me, but I guess you know Minnesota. I guess it was, what was it, like 13 by the, at full time in Edmonton? Okay. That I think I heard that. So 10 wouldn't, I don't know about fine, but I guess doable, you know, minus seven that like that actually burns your face. I also just don't think that playing in cold benefits us against Honduras. Like we're supposed to be the better team. We want good conditions. Yeah. So the so the counterpoint to that is, you know, Mexico actually looked better against Canada than they did against us. Um, so maybe playing in the cold as long as it's not like a safety risk isn't that big of a disadvantage. Let's hope they ran the science on it in, in either case. <laughs> well, Columbus, I think, should be probably okay um, temperature-wise. And Hamilton will probably be comparable to... Columbus, but St. Paul is a different, a different beast. So I guess we'll just see. We'll see what happens. I'm planning to be there, and we're trying to figure out a tailgate situation. Should we move on to the next item? Yes. McKinney telling Chiellini about burgers and ranch sauce. This was from the um, from the new Juve documentary, uh, and it's just 
McKinney is so innocently and shamelessly American. It's kind of cringy to me and endearing at the same time. But maybe he should learn about one of the world's great culinary traditions while he's in Turin. Yeah, I was looking up the food in Turin. It's home to what's called the slow food movement, which is about local ingredients and really natural ingredients, which is really the complete opposite of putting ranch dressing on pizza. So it's a, a real clash of, of styles there. Um, I guess my one other thought is I don't think we necessarily need to be telling Europeans we're putting ranch on pizza. We can, I'm not putting ranch on pizza. Who's, do, who's doing it? Weston McKinney. He didn't just, he's not just using it as a dipping sauce. He's putting it on top of his pizza. He's t- no, he's bathing his pizza in it. He's taking like sure. a piece of pepperoni pizza and putting ranch on it, which is, fi- I, I mean, it's fine. I've done that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be telling Italians about it. But he's young, and that's part of the problem. It, it, the, the lost generation was bad for soccer reasons, but also they, we don't have guys who have been there to say stuff like, hey, let's keep some of this under wraps. We don't need to be giving all of our food secrets away like that. Because if he's telling him about putting ranch on pizza, he must have just told him everything. We just saw the tip of the iceberg in that, in that little clip. I'm, yeah, Chiellini was clearly appalled, too. He said, what are you telling me right now? I think that's what he said. What are you saying? <laughs> I think it was saying fun. Right? It was like, I'm afraid of American dressing or whatever. Yeah. Well, they think we all do that now, which we don't. So, I mean, we dip, we'll dip a crust in ranch dressing, but we're not all putting on top of the pizza. Anyway, we don't need to get... I have never engaged ranch dressing with pizza in my entire life, for the record. Okay, well, I mean... What, but Jordan, I, what about you? No. Not for me. No. Okay. Well, it's out there. Some people do it. And then another thing is um, Juve got raided by the financial police. That's not really related. I, at least I don't think it's related. Probably not related. But also, Italian prosecutors are always doing the most, man. Who knows what's going on there? Remember that story about the, the American girl who got charged with murder? Like, maybe she did it, maybe she didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember her name. That was a weird story. I also think Juve probably does do so much shenanigans, but... Yeah, maybe so. Um, did you watch the, the documentary? Did either of you watch any of it? I've watched the first episode. I haven't gotten around to the rest of it yet. I watched the first, first two episodes and then skimmed through it to see what else Weston might have disclosed to them. His storyline... Um, he had a food storyline in the second one where he listed a bunch of other bad foods, uh, but then I, they kind of went away from that, and there wasn't much more. Um. Maybe the problem, you know, there was like all this talk about him and food in the Italian press, I don't know, a few months ago. Maybe the problem is just he talks too much about it, you know? Well, they had a whole scene about him coming in to get his uh, weight checked. And checked his body fat percentage. He was eighteen percent, and they told him he needed to do better. That was kind of the main thing. But they didn't really come back to that later in the season. I I, I need somebody to tell me that it's really good before I'm going to watch it because I watched that Sergio Rama a little bit of that Sergio Ramos documentary that was made a couple of years ago. It was, it's on Amazon Prime or used to be, and it was so bad that I thought I'm never going to watch another soccer soccer documentary unless I, I think it's not really good. The weird thing about these things is. You have the, the heads of the club talking as though they're not being filmed, even though they're 
they're staged to be filmed perfectly by a camera and they're obviously aware of the camera right there. So it's kind of fake. All right. Well, fourth place CONCACAF finisher plays Oceana in a playoff. That's the next thing. Yeah, it was a draw. It was a fortunate draw. That means the fourth place team now plays it. It's a single game in Qatar in June. And Oceana hasn't started their qualifying yet. Apparently they have had all sorts of COVID problems. It'll probably be New Zealand. And they've only played three games in the past two years. I don't know if that's why. And they're ranked really like 100 and something. So it's a break. They probably really wish they had Tyler Boyd now. Yes. I've always felt bad about stealing Tyler Boyd. <laughs> Me too. I feel bad about it. I still feel bad about we it. We shouldn't have done that. Uh, no. But he wanted it, you know? Yeah. This is, just to be clear, this is the playoff to be in the World Cup. So if we finish fourth, we play Oceana in a playoff. Like the, the second place finisher in Oceana, is that it? No, in the, in no, the playoff? just one. First place. They have one half of a spot in the World Cup. So it'll just be the mm-hmm. best team there. Well, that's, be- that's better than having to face a South American opponent, obviously. But because if you look at the table in that common ball qualifying tournament, it's, there's a decent chance it's going to be either Colombia or Uruguay. Who would we? Who we would have to face if it if we had drawn South America? So thank goodness we don't have to do that. Yeah. The Jamaica behind the crest video. Uh, the, you know, it's nice. They're, they're always nice to watch. They're a good document, I think, of what's going on or what has happened. The part that struck me is Berhalter said he was happy. They looked unhappy after the game, and I just think they looked unhappy because they got whipped in the second half. Um. And I'm not sure what to do about that. Well, I think by, by the transitive property, it did make it seem a little bit like he was happy they, they went badly. I think the issue is he's just a little bit awkward. So it just sounded like he was saying that. He was just pointing out, I, it was like an empathy thing. Like, yeah. I understand why you guys are upset. I'm glad because you should be. You know? Yeah. Why he needed to say that, I'm not he sure. He was being encouraging. Yes. He was trying to be encouraging, yeah. What else? Uh, A new kit for 2022 has been leaked. Do you care about that type of thing? There's been a lot of debate on it. And it's one of the, really one of the most heated issues of the past few days. I know historically you don't want to talk about shirts, but maybe we should address it. Well, um, the picture I saw, the white one, looks like a boring shirt. Mm -hmm. All white with gray waves and big Nike swooshes on the sleeves. I did see a blue, a blue one that came out that I saw this morning. Did you, has that one been out for a while? I don't know. I missed that one. And yeah, there's, it's like a lighter blue, kind of a more, more of a bomb pop type blue. Bomb pop. And, uh, you know, bomb pop, the one from 2014. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. The one, and it's like that shade of blue. The one thing I know about shirts is Jordan is he doesn't like the Waldos, which infuriates everyone. So I just wanted to make sure everyone knows that. Yeah, I don't like this, the, the leaked white kit either, because I feel like our white kit should have at least some color, like some red or blue accents. But no, I don't like the Waldos. Well, we dodged the ball this time on that. Yeah. Well, the blue, I was going to say the blue that I saw this morning from Alex Calabrese's Twitter account is um, it, I could see it looking nice with white shorts, you know, it'd be a little bit of a different look. Oh, white shorts. That's aggressive. I could, I could get behind that. 
but it is aggressive. Yeah, I. It is true though. I. I. I nobody cares what I think about kits or fashion for that matter. I don't even have nice. I don't. My shoe game is terrible. Yeah, we're not the fashion people, really. Let's go to the top forty. We just closed the rankings on the newest, the power rankings for the players, the player pool, and uh, number one is Tyler Adams. Still number one after the most recent rankings. Mm-hmm. He did not play midweek in Champions League because of yellow card accumulation. Leipzig won four nothing against Club Bruges. And then he was a 73rd minute sub in a 3-1 loss on Sunday at home to Leverkusen. Yeah, he was already, Leipzig was already down 3-1 when he came on. I thought he played well. Didn't really matter. Yeah. Marsh was out with COVID for this game. And, and in general, it just seems to be, at least in the Bundesliga, or I guess in the Europe too, it's not going quite how we had hoped. But they're still severely underperforming their XG, their expected goals. So I don't quite know what to make of this. Is he going to get fired if it, if they don't make the Champions League? Uh, they still have a really good chance of making the Champions League, though, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I guess there's a long way to go. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see a February firing or something if things don't start really clicking on the, in the results category, not in the XG category. Number two, Weston McKenney. He moved up three spots from last ranking. And he played 90 minutes in uh, Juve's 4-0 loss on Tuesday against Chelsea. And he played 64 minutes in their 1-0 loss on Saturday against Atalanta. He's risen in the rankings. So let me just be clear. This, these rankings, there were 49 participants, so a, a panel of 49. It's a pretty good turnout for us. Um, I think McKinney's risen in the rankings because we see how we look without him. And it's not nearly as good not close i'm i'm i i ranked him our most valuable player and a lot of people still have adams ahead of him that's why he's adams is still ahead in the rankings but my personal rankings have mckinney number one just because of well stuff we've talked about on this podcast a lot the way he dominates the center of the park and and then really goes end line to end line and i would say he was mostly quite good against chelsea despite the score line uh, one of their better players, except for the last goal where he misplayed a ball aimed for Hakeem Zayek, and Zayek stabbed it into the six for Werner to tap it in. Thing is, it was already three zero at the t- at that point, so you know whatever. Yeah, it's a good. That was a good spot to stash a mistake at the end of the game when it was over. <laughs> right and on Saturday, he was again really, really good. I thought, and the, but he did have the the knee injury scare. That's why he came out. But it seems like, here's what Juve said. I, I, I didn't know quite what it means. Weston McKinney was subjected to diagnostic tests that excluded capsular lig- ligament injury in his right knee. His condition will be monitored daily. So that sounds pretty good. I'm not a doctor. The word is it's a sprain, which makes it seem like he'll be comfortably back for the January window. But it does seem like... The, the different medical terms used in different nations is, does make it a little bit confusing. Yeah, I looked up capsular. Basically, it's just the little things that connect the bones in the knee area. Capsular, yeah. That's not something the American medical establishment uses. You don't say that. Christian Pulisic, number three. He fell one spot in the rankings, 
and went 71 minutes in a 4 nil in their 4 nil win against Juventus on Tuesday. And then he was a 78-minute sub on one draw on Sunday against Manchester United. I didn't think he was that great in the midweek contest when he started. Uh, just kind of in, invisible. I mean, Juventus was totally under duress the whole time. So, um, so it was like not an ideal game for him trying to find space in a low block against some big center backs. But he was very bright, in my opinion, against uh, Manchester United created a goal scoring move from a throw in right after he came on by beating a guy and finding a little guy in a pot, finding a, a teammate in a little pocket in the channel, something he did a few times. So dominant right now, Chelsea just bossing United down the stretch, but couldn't get the breakthrough. Yeah. They crossed to, to Rudiger at the end that he skied over the bar, but he was very good. And people were saying he was uh, Chelsea's best player out there. Saying he was a cut above Technique-wise, they run very hot and cold, I would say, on the internet. (laughs) The fans at Stamford Bridge, or the ones, I guess it's mostly the ones on the internet. Yeah, that is the one bad thing about him playing there is Chelsea fans are very much in our lives, you know? Yeah. It's a very good team, but their fans are, I guess all fans are like that, but especially Chelsea fans. Are they the odds-on favorite to win Champions League again? They seem like They seem really good. Number four, Serginho Dest. Fell one spot in the rankings and was an 84th minute sub in their nil-nil draw in the Champions League on Tuesday. A new sub in their 3-1 win on Saturday against Villarreal. He came in at, um, at left wing. It seemed like he was playing left wing. It might, it, maybe it was just a very advanced wing back or something. Uh, not a whole lot happened, but it's good to see him back. And I assume they're just working him back slowly. Which is why he didn't play on the weekend. Yeah. Or maybe he hasn't... I guess he will need to win back a starting job at the full, either of the fullbacks. Maybe Xavi doesn't like his his red basketball jersey. <laughs> I, I guarantee he doesn't like his red basketball jersey. But I hope they pulled him aside and said, you can't, you can't wear your red basketball jersey anymore. Number five, Giovanni Reyna. He fell one spot in the rankings and... Has still has not made his return. Missed both their Champions League game on Wednesday and their uh, league game on Saturday against Wolfsburg. He was listed as doubtful for the Wolfsburg game, I think, which to me indicates some progress. I'm sure it would be nice for him to get a few minutes under his belt before the winter break. I guess the next benchmark we needs to get to questionable. Or at least in American is, sports, that's what it would be. I don't know if they'd use that in Europe. Yeah. Questionable would be a step up. Isn't that what they do on the, the IR list yeah. in baseball? They do that in the NFL and the NBA, I think. I think it goes doubtful, questionable, and then next thing you know, they're in the game. We need to get Europe on our system. Apparently, Man City is the favorite to win uh, Champions League right now, followed by Bayern Munich, Liverpool, PSG, and Chelsea. That does not match the eye test for me. But So, oh... Barcelona has to go and beat Bayern to advance in the Champions League. So they're basically out now. If they had been able to uh, squeak that one out at the end, but now, now they're in trouble. Hmm. That or they have to hope that Benfica doesn't beat uh, last place yeah, Kiev. which is unlikely. They're in big trouble. Yeah. I just think, you know, back to like who's the favorite to win Champions League, it, uh, it just seems like Man City never... Can, can, can't quite get it 
going, at least recently. Yeah. In the later stages. Number six, Yunus Musa. He is unchanged in the rankings and was a 82nd minute sub in their 1-1 draw on Saturday against Rayo Vallecano. He came on and was good. He, he had this thing where the ball came way across the field and then he controlled it well and almost played it across to an open guy, almost had an assist. So he keeps having these spot minutes where he looks pretty good. And then the other thing I've become increasingly concerned about is I'm not really clear what Valencia's team colors are. They seem to have... It, they seem to be red, yellow, blue, black, and white. And their mascot is a bat. And it's all very confusing because then the red and the yellow blends together. It looks like orange. It seems like the seats in their stadium are orange. And you look it up on the internet, you don't get any clear answers. I don't think we need to solve that today. It's just something I'm, I wanted to flag. It is a little, I'm a little confused by it, too. I guess I just think of them as white, like white jerseys. Yeah. But that's, that can't be the right answer. No, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's like the opposite of Venetia. <laughs> Number seven, Timothy Weah. He jumped six spots this time and, was a 80, and played 84 minutes in their 1-0 win in the Champions League against Salzburg and was a 76-minute sub in their 1-1 draw against Knotts. Dude, he is so good right now. He, um, he obviously rose in the rankings a lot thanks to his performance in the last window. That performance against Mexico was, you know, sort of a signature match for him. And then he, you know, he had that really nice goal against Jamaica that helped us get three, helped us get one point. He does seem like our most consistent attacking player at the moment. And he was constantly probing against Salzburg, uh, several nice moments, but the best was when he roasted the Salzburg left back uh, with pace and cut it back to the penalty marker to David. Jonathan David, the Canadian, was bundled down, but no foul called. David scored the game's only goal, kind of a lucky pinball situation that ended with a confident finish. But um, anyway, it's weird. Lille has struggled so much in Liga 1, but they're leading their group in Champions League with one match left. It's kind of strange. Yeah. And then he came on at the end of on the weekend and was really good again. He created a bunch of stuff. He would get down and put a cross, and he did one to David that was a penalty that he missed. And then he did, did it again at the end. So he's, uh, he's really effective out there. He's so decisive and uh, penetrating. There's just not a better word for it than that. He penetrates the defense. Yeah. Hey, like he does this thing where he, he'll pass it back, but then move forward immediately way quicker than anyone else does. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 fast thinking. Number eight, Miles Robinson. He jumped one spot in the rankings, but his season is finished. Yeah. Number nine, Matt Turner. He fell two spots in the rankings, but he does not have he did not play a game this week. The Revs start the playoffs on Tuesday. Which is weird because Nine out of 14 playoff teams have already been eliminated before the refs have even played a game. I don't understand how they've scheduled these playoffs. How are we doing watching the MLS playoffs so far? Anybody, anybody watching any of that? Yes. It's, uh, it's interesting. There's a lot going on. Some exciting games. But they're all over the place. I don't yeah. know when the next game is because the schedule's so chaotic. 
That Jack McGlynn final, yeah, it is the schedule is awfully chaotic. That Jack McGlynn penalty last night was pretty nice. I just got finished watching a lot of the U twenty minutes or all of them really last week from Revelations Cup, and I didn't think much of McGlynn, but that was a nice moment for from him. Are you going to do a, a recap of those U twenties, or was there not enough, not enough to justify it? No, we are. We're going to do it for okay, sure. Okay, good. Um, I actually found myself more encouraged. Uh, upon rewatch than I was initially by oh, the good. pool of players. Um, and another thing on Matt Turner, he dropped two spots. Why? Why do you think he dropped two spots? Just because Berhalter didn't start him? Probably, yeah. I feel like people are starting to come around on Stefan, maybe. I don't know. I'm struck by how soft the Stefan stands on twitter are they're like really soft people they can't, they can't it's a it's it's a it, debate i think it's that the, their heart's not fully in it so that you know you get a little more defensive in that case i posted the frame by frame of antonio's goal just to just just as like a pure educational matter you know and i had a few people be like dude let's stop being so petty let's move on i'm like we we didn't <laughs> Get three points in that game. That was the pivotal moment in the game. Why are you so soft? Yeah, there's only but so many games to focus on. We can't just we can't just move on. We have we have, you know. Yeah, I'll move on when we qualify for the World Cup, bro. Let's hope they don't listen to that that whole section. Who cares? Number ten, Anthony Robinson. He fell two spots in the rankings, and went ninety in both of their draws. One against one nil nil against Dirk. Darby County on Wednesday, and one that was 1-1 against Preston North End on Saturday. So he was basically um, solid like he always is for Fulham. There was one, he had this really uh, pretty intense tackle that I thought could have been a red card, but I think he didn't get a red card just because of how likable he is. It's partly his body language and his faith and his having accrued goodwill throughout the time, but he got booed intensely by Preston North End every time he touched the ball for the rest of the game. Mm. That was kind of, that was the main storyline there. I don't know if other people thought it was a red card, but that was. I think he played for Preston North End a few years ago too, didn't he? I, I didn't know that. Double check that. I don't think so. I think he played for Bolton and then Wigan. Okay, my mistake. And then uh, T- Tim Ream was the, he scored a goal. It was his first goal in, I, I remember, like 170 games or something. And he got man of the match. But then he disavowed his man of the match later on Twitter, saying he was, and I'm quoting here, otherwise doo-doo yesterday. But then he went on to tell us, have a wonderful Sunday and give a smile to everyone you see today. You never know who may need it. What a class act Tim Ream is, you know? <laughs> It's like a strong uh, dad with zero <laughs> testosterone life energy, you know, um, which I, I speak from some experience on that. He's a mensch. Have a wonderful Sunday and give a smile to everyone you see today. Mm. That makes him a mensch. I don't know. I don't I'm not exactly sure what a mensch is. We'll have to disagree on that, I think. John Brooks, number 11. Unchanged in the rankings, went 88 minutes in their 2-0 loss in the Champions League on Tuesday against Sevilla, and went 90 in their 3-1 loss against Dortmund on Saturday. 
Well, on Saturday, he did some cool passes, like always. They were of the chipped variety. Had, I guess, a couple of moments where they weren't defensively, it wasn't inspired, relating to him being pretty big and not super quick sometimes. Um, but otherwise, it seemed to have been a pretty standard John Brooks game. He did miss a headed goal opportunity to tie it 2-2, so Dortmund eventually won. Yeah, the the Champions League distribution comp is really is really strong. Lots of yeah, lots of laser like diagonals from left center back to right wing. Um, number twelve, Brendan Aronson. He is also unchanged in the rankings. He went eighty five minutes in their one nil loss on Tuesday against Lille in the Champions League, and he went sixty one minutes in their two one loss against Austria Klagenfurt on Saturday. On Saturday, he he did the thing he normally does where he created some chances. Uh, he had a shot, a couple close assists, uh, but he got subbed out. I wasn't exactly sure if that was related to performance, arresting him or what. Uh, I don't know. And Klagenfurt uh, translates to uh, Ford of Lament in German. Hmm. Which just goes to show these Austrian names are very strange. Yeah, Klagen is such a good word for lament. Yeah, like apparently the name it's a, it's a kind of a it's the name of a town, and they're not exactly sure why it's called that because it's such a sad name. But some people think it relates to translations between German and Slovene because it's down there on the Slovene border, and. Uh, it, 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 it's because it's believed that fairy, bad fairies and demons live in shallow water. Hmm. Which is, uh, I guess there's some bodies of water there that are shallow. And then you so would that, take your complaints to the, to the bad fairies and the demons? Or just a lamentable place. Oh yeah, things would like lament because the demons would do horrible things to you there. Yeah, it also translates to complaint, so that's another ambiguity. But it's not a good name for a town. Yeah, I like it. I see a lot of possibilities with the word clogging. Like, quit quit your clogging. (laughs) Quit your your (laughs) clogging. Number 13, Walker Zimmerman. Jumped three spots in the rankings and went 120 minutes in their 1-1 penalty loss in the conference semifinals on Sunday against Philadelphia. And he missed the decisive penalty that sent the Union through to the conference finals. Really one of the more lamentable ways to end a season, isn't it? About clogging. It was was not great. But he can take some solace in the fact that none of his teammates made their penalties either. So... Yeah. I mean, you can't let, expect the center back to be the... You must feel like that. If you, You've got to be relieved that other people are missing them if you missed one. It's like this... Uh, I, did not, I did not watch the game, but it did seem like a little anticlimactic somehow to watch the... Yeah. It's like, maybe it's just because I don't care, but does Zimmerman even care if they keep going in the playoffs? He gets to take a break now. I suspect he does care, yeah, but I, right. that's just my guess. Uh, also in MLS, number 14, Ricardo Pepe. He fell four spots in the rankings, 
but his season on the club side is finished. Seems to be closer to where he should be, about 14 or so. So it's a, a reasonable correction. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how he does in the next window. Speaking of seasons being finished, uh, number 15, Zach Steffen. He is unchanged in the rankings and was an unused sub in both their Champions League win against PSG and their Premier League win against West Ham. Does he have some club games coming up? or Is he going to play any before the, we decide who starts in the next window? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he's Berhalter's favorite and he plays for Man City. He trains with Pep Guardiola. Doesn't matter one iota, friends. Number 16, Chris Richards. He fell two spots in the rankings and was a 62nd-minute sub in a 6-3 win on Saturday against Fort. I found it, I just in general find it difficult to know how, what exactly to make of a game where the home team, team concedes six goals. But he seemed to be mostly fine. Yeah, to me it looks like Hoffenheim want to start the game in a back four, and then they switch to a back three later in the game, and he's their third center back, so that's why he's getting all these sub appearances. Because he's always the one who comes on for an attacker when they change formations. Mm. Interesting thing is he's 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 competing with the same essentially the same group of players that he was competing with for minutes earlier in the season and they and last year. Um, it's that posh guy, P O S C H, and Vote B O G T, and then um, Grilich comes in from defensive midfield to play in a back three sometimes. So, yeah, I guess he was I just a little shaky for a stretch of games, and now he has to just fight his way back in when something happens. I guess someone needs to get hurt or have a really bad game or something. Yeah, I think an injury to any one of four players probably gets him right back in the 11. I'm not too worried, but a little worried, I guess. Number 17, Jean-Luc Abusio. He jumped one spot in the rankings and went 90 in their 2-0 loss on Saturday against Inter Milan. He completed 50 out of 51 passes, and the one he didn't complete was really more of a half clearance that almost turned into a really good pass. So he's, he's very consistently good at passing, and not always just really simple ones. I also just appreciate how pleasant it is to watch Venetia, even when they lose. And they were wearing red shirts this weekend. They... It, which look good. Pretty much anything they do looks good. Yeah, they are fun to watch. I did not watch this game, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, you can't expect Venezia to beat Inter Milan. Uh, number 18, Joe Scali. He fell one spot in the rankings and went 81 minutes in their 4-1 loss in the derby against Cologne. It was a really good atmosphere in this game. And he was spirited again. And it seems like the, the chorus of people thinking he's an upgrade at fullback over, I guess, Anthony Robinson? I'm not, not exactly sure. They're growing louder and more coordinated. has to do with his passing and the build-up and combination play. And he's kind, of com- he's kind of composed in the attack. And he's very athletic. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he gets at least a chance in the next window. Maybe in St. Paul. I don't know if he's actually better than Anthony Robinson, but it is encouraging long-term. Well, he's more reliable technically than Robinson, right? Yeah, but, I think so. Um, number 19, DeAndre Yedlin. 
He jumped eight spots this time and went 90 in their 4-2, lo- tour 4-2 win in the Europa League on Thursday against Marseille and went 90 in their 0-0 draw on Sunday against Yeni Malatyaspor. Well done, I think, on that pronunciation. At least it sounds credible to me. Um, yeah, he's just a locked, he's a locked-in starter at Galatasaray. I mean, what more can you say? And he's, and he's I think, been extremely useful for the national team. Yeah, he was. It, the, from what I saw, he just looked like he always looks. A good version of what he always looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20, Kellen Acosta. He fell one spot in the rankings and went 90 in their 1-0 loss in the conference semifinals on Thanksgiving against Portland. Yeah, I missed that one. I'm, I'm basically on the lookout for a replacement for Acosta at the moment. Maybe Tanner Tessman? I don't know. We haven't. We have not figured out the midfield if it's not Adams, McKinney, and Musa. I, I mean, I've heard some chatter about switching Josh Sargent to a six. I think that's mostly just because he hasn't been doing well as an attacker. But you know, people are starting to talk about that. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought that up. I kind of forgot about it. Um, I, what, what about him as an eight? Here's what I think we should do: move him to an eight. When that doesn't go well, move him back to a six. And if that doesn't go well, center back. After that, keeper. Okay. He's probably decent with his hands. He seems good at soccer. He just seems like he could be good in most any position, really. But the reason I like eight is because he does—he does like to push the game. He's pretty good in duels. Um, he's—he's he's pretty decent in tight space, like with his back to goal or, you know, turning with the ball. He's just not very good at uh, beating people one v one and getting open in the box. Yeah, or scoring. Yeah. Getting, open in the, getting so open in the box that his shot doesn't get blocked. Yeah. He gets a lot of his shots blocked. It is weird to have a player playing in the Premier League who we're, we're not that excited about. Well, I'm excited about him as an eight. Yeah, we're excited about him as an eight. All right, I'll, I'll go with him as an eight. I like that. Well, let's read... The rest. I'm going to read the rest of the list off real quick, if that's okay with you guys, just so people can get a sense of what the rest of the top, how the rest of the top 40 rounds out. Number 21 is Luca Della Torre. You wanted to say something about him, right, Chris? No, I just wanted to. But he had the because um, we heard why he wasn't called up because he talked about it on a podcast. And basically, Burhalter told him the reason he wasn't called up is he feels like other players are better in transition and. Luca was like, I don't quite agree with that. I feel like that's what I've been good at the past six months or so. I'm not exactly sure where I stand on that, but that's, that's the Luca De La Torre news. It was respectful disagreement, right? Yes. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Matthew Hoppy-style disagreement. No. Um, yeah, so 22 is, is Pifak, 23 Zardis, 24 Ferreira, 25 Conrad De La Fuente. 26, Daryl DK, 27, Mark McKenzie, 28, Josh Sargent, 29, Reggie Cannon, 30, Ethan Horvath, 31, Matthew Hoppy, 32, Paul Ariola, 33, Tim Ream, 34, Jordan Morris, 35, Matt Miazga, 36, Shaq Moore, 37, George Bellow, 38, Sebastian Legette, 39, Georgie Mihailovich, and number 40, Sam Vines. That rounds out the top 40. Um... What else, guys? Anything? 
I'm looking at that list to think if I have any wild objections that someone should be higher, but it seems reasonable enough. Maybe Tim Ream bumps up a little bit just for, for being such a nice guy. Georgie making the top 40 is interesting. Seems well-deserved after the season he's had. The top in the top forty. I mean, this this last twenty or so just changes so much based on like just little slices of information. I know Conrad started on the weekend. I didn't watch it, but that's good. Yeah. Um, uh, for the rest of the week, I'm gonna try to like I'm gonna try to get that U twenty podcast uh set up and recorded with Matt Hartman. He's down. We just gotta get it nailed down probably later this week. And I'm going to do something interesting. I think on Wednesday, I'm going to get a political scientist named Jose Marichal to talk with me about um, dual nationalism. Oh, that'll be nice. Not dual. Yeah. He's, he wrote a book called Facebook Democracy uh, in 2012 because he's, he really focuses on how, uh, how human identity is formed in dialogue with other humans. Cool. And yeah, pretty interesting to me at least. But the, the, the thing about social media is it changes the way we dialogue with other humans. So it changes the way human identity is formed. So that's like sort of his main area or it's one, it's like related to his main area, but he's also, he's also sent me some direct messages about how he thinks that the this idea of the politics of recognition like being properly recognized by society is something that plays a lot into the the dual national decision mm. and um like if you're recognized appropriately by society or if you feel recognized appropriately by society you you know you feel good if you feel misrecognized it can be as a person or as a group, it can cause real damage. And um, so we're going to try to get into some of that stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. He sent me a lot of stuff to read and I'm going to, I'll put it all in the show notes. Cool. And I'll put, I'll put it wherever anybody wants me to put it. Um, anything else? No? No. That's all for me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you.